Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Practice Squad Jobber podcast, the podcast for diehard fans by diehard fans. I'm Brett, and I'm here with my co-host, Joel, and today we are going over the recent wrestling news. Yeah, and there's been a lot, too, and it's only been, what, like two weeks? So... Two weeks, a week and a half, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's crazy. We, we take a little bit of a break, and the wrestling world turns upside down. Yeah, it's wild. It seems to always happen that way, too. So. Yep. So uh, let's get started with uh, Double or Nothing. Um, I was at work for a lot of this. I did have it streaming uh, when I had downtime. Uh, so Joel's going to kind of take the lead on a lot of this. I'm going to go over um, who won up and down the card. We started with uh, Hangman Page defeating Brian Cage. First match to open. I thought it was really smart that they had Hangman Page come out first. A uh, huge pop from the crowd. It was nice having a full crowd at Daly's place. Uh, reminded everybody the big deal that Hangman was to the fans before the pandemic started. Uh, I just I thought it was a really good way to start it off. Uh, it wasn't a five-star match by any means, but I, Hangman Page took care of business, did what he had to do, and uh, got the win. Yeah, the crowd was like super, super hot for this match. Um, and they... They started off fast too, you know. Page just went straight at him, and then they hit they hit a bunch of like crazy spots. So the crowd was loving this match a lot. Yeah, and having a big man like Brian Cage being able to do what he can is just absolutely crazy, and it helps it helps a Hangman Page as a babyface just be able to because Brian Cage he can adapt to any style with who he's working with. Oh, I was just gonna say, but I think we're gonna talk about it that at the end of the match uh, he refused. FTW title, and uh, there was a little bit of a ruffle up between him and the rest of uh, of Taz's group. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I forgot about that. Double or nothing happened week and a half ago. Um, but yeah, uh, Brian Cage very unhappy with the loss. Um, very frustrated. Uh, pushing uh, pushing Taz's son Hook. Uh, getting in the face of Ricky Starks. Uh, Taz was on commentary for this match. He seemed uh, he seemed concerned with and confused with Brian Cage's antics. But, uh, yeah, this hopefully leads into, you know, an interesting storyline there. I will give AEW credit. I mean, you look up and down the card, they've got storylines throughout the pay-per-view, which is something other companies are lacking right now. <laughs> WWE. Yeah. <laughs> So after that, we've got uh, the Young Bucks defeat uh, Mox and Kingston. Uh, I got to see the majority of this match uh, having Mox and Kingston come out to Wild Thing, the crowd screaming it. Just that was a really cool moment for them. Uh, Young Bucks coming out. It seemed like uh, me and very few people were rooting for the Young Bucks, and everyone else was on the side of Mox and Kingston. But uh, Bullet Club got me back into wrestling, and I'm ride or die with the Bullet Club for life. So my boys, the Young Bucks, they got the win. Uh, do you know the significance behind the Wild Thing song? Because I guess I'm not, like, too much. I don't know a lot of John Moxley's history, so. Um, I want to say Bully Ray pitched it on Busted Open. Oh, okay. And 
And uh, like we saw, Tony Khan hasn't been afraid to buy the rights to music for entrances like Jungle Boy. He got he uh, bought the rights to Jungle Boy's theme. Uh, and it looks like did the same here for Mox. Uh, and it's just it's really cool. It's a song a lot of the crowd knows they can jump in on. Um, before that, you know, it just his entrance themes, WWE, AEW, uh, just songs that didn't have any words. Just cool music, but I mean, this just adds another level. It's able to get the crowd involved. Uh, I love the chemistry between Mox and Eddie Kingston, and uh, th- this was a really good match. Yeah, they kind of did a little, little bit of everything. They had some run-ins, you know, Breaking Kazarian came out, Gallows and Anderson came out. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a spot where the Young Bucks, uh, like, kind of mocked the shield, and they were doing the fist thing. And uh, yeah, and then, yeah, and then uh, Moxley ended up hitting him with like a double German suplex, which, which was pretty cool. After that. The heel bucks are the best bucks, in my opinion. On to the next match, we've got uh, the Casino Battle Royale and uh, number twenty-one. That surprise entrance that they always tease. This time it was Leo Rush. Um, so I was happy for Leo getting a moment here coming out. Uh, we had seen he'd been away for a little while. Uh, seen him dabble here and there on an indie scene, but thought this was a cool moment for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, other than that, there wasn't like this match wasn't too like. I'm not explaining. It wasn't too like. You know, usually these matches are kind of like really. Uh, they try to make them big. You know, they bring out a lot of big contestants mm-hmm. in there. But I think like Christian. Uh, Penta, and, like, that was pretty much it, right? Like, the bigger names in the match. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, Penta coming out with the Joker-themed uh, gear looked really oh. good. Uh, always, always enjoying Penta, and just, I, I, you can't do enough with him. It's the crowd loves him. Uh, I was rooting for him. He was who I wanted to go over in this. Uh, uh, but we did get end up getting Jungle Boy, which I thought was really good storytelling because you see in a lot of these battle royals, he's he's one of the last two or three and just can't quite get over that hump and is able to do it here, gets the win, and he will be facing Kenny Omega for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, that match should be really good. I, and like you said, he's been like in the end of a bunch of these matches. So when it happened, I was like, hasn't he like won one of these before? But then I went and looked back and he did it. So yeah, they've kind of been just teasing it here and there. But I'm glad they finally did it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jungle Boy. So. Yeah, I think Jungle Boy is going to be one of those stars in the next few years that's going to, that AEW is really going to be able to build upon. And I don't think anybody expects him to go over Kenny Omega when they do have their match, but a good showing, showing that he can compete at that level, that's going to do so much for his career. Definitely. Uh, and then we've got the bathroom break match. Uh, Cody defeats Anthony Agogo. Um, I saw the entrances and crowd. Uh, Cody was the baby face to the live crowd. Uh, he's still got a banger for as far as an entrance theme. Uh, but just the way that they built this one uh cody's explanation of certain promos and it's there wasn't a whole lot of interest in this match uh there's talent with anthony agogo but i don't know if he's ready um i think he definitely needs more time on aew dark or elevation or maybe rampage their new one hour show but we'll get into that later um 
Yeah, it was, it was just a weird match, and it, to be honest, it threw off the vibe of the pay-per-view for me, and it just completely took me out of it for a little bit. Yeah, it was super, super weird. What's crazy is, like, the build-up, they tried to make it, like, a big match, but when it just came down to it, it wasn't. It was, like, I want to say Cody didn't even win with, like, his usual finisher, so, like, it's, I guess it, that shows how much, you know, they were actually, like, into or invested into this match. Um Man, I'm mad a Gogo lost. I get why. I guess he's not ready. But I don't know, like, his promos leading up to it and stuff like that. I was like, man, I really want to see him win. But, I mean, it's Cody Rhodes. <laughs> so I think you, most of the time he's going to win. Yeah. Unless it's uh, someone who's really established. So I was uh, talking to some friends over the weekend in my dream match. If there's ever a WWE versus AEW pay-per-view, that'll never happen. In the main event, you've got Triple H versus Cody Rhodes in a Buried Alive match. <laughs> and just just want to see whose ego. Uh, <laughs> that match will be a 24-hour match because neither one of them will concede and let the other one go over. But yeah. <laughs> um, After that, uh, Miro defeats Lance Archer to retain his title. This was one of those matches that I didn't get to see that I really wanted to. Um, so, Joel, take us through this match. Yeah, so to start off, Archer just went straight at Miro. He hit him with, like, a suicide dive to the outside, which was kind of scary because uh, Archer kind of landed a little bit awkwardly, but he was fine. He got up. Uh, he had a, a rope walk moonsault that he usually does in his matches. Um, then put Miro through the table. This match was, like, fast-paced, fast-paced, just get at it and go. Um, Miro broke away for a little bit, recovered. Uh, Archer ran at him over the ringside barricade, or he ran at him, and he threw him into, like, the ringside of the fans, which I don't think it was, like, real fans. It was, like, a, you know, like, probably indie guys or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jake Roberts charged into the ring at a certain point of the match and tried to pull his snake from the bag. Miro grabbed, <laughs> grabbed the, the bag of the snake and heated it to the entrance ramp, which is pretty hilarious. I just, I died laughing. Uh, Miro tried to go after Roberts again after that, but, uh, Archer got him, choke slammed him uh, for a two count. Miro kicked the bottom rope uh, into the. Oh, <laughs> I said he kicked the bottom rope. He kicked Archer in the, you know, the spot that hurts men. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ended up hitting a jumpy kick. Uh, Miro then stomped on Archer's back, locked in the game over, and uh, got beat Archer for the win and retained his TNT championship. Yeah, I just I don't know what you do with Lance Archer after this. Um, we had said going in this this is a match I don't want to see anybody lose. Yeah. Um, I I want to see Miro booked strong. Um, you've seen Archer have title opportunities and just never quite capitalize on those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this kind of hurts his character a bit. I think this sets him back for a while. Um, I just I don't know how many times you can just revamp the murder hog monster thing and, uh, you know, just keep putting him back in these situations and having him lose. Uh, eventually, the crowd's just not going to care. And yeah. I think that's unfortunate because of how talented Lance Archer is. Yeah, definitely. I guess I'm kind of hoping whenever they, you know, they start Rampage up, they're able to give uh, people more opportunity like Archer. So he can kind of stay away from like certain people. So he'll be able to get wins and like continue to build himself up. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the hope for me, at least. Uh, next, we got uh, Britt Baker defeats Hikaru Shida for the Women's Championship. Um, I got to see bits and pieces of this match, um, so go ahead and take it away, Joel. Yeah, 
Oh, this match was so weird to me. Um, it just seemed off. I don't know if they don't have like the best chemistry because like some parts here and there were clunky. Um, it was really like based around the submission, right? Uh, Brett Baker trying to lock in the lockjaw. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there was some cool spots in the match though. Uh, Baker hit like a curb stomp, which is pretty cool. Um, there was there was this one part of the match that really kind of made me upset when I watched it. So. Uh, Rebel had her, what do you call it, her crutch, and she was yep. going to hit Sheeta with it, but Sheeta moved out the way and hit Brick Baker, but the ref seen all of it, and he didn't, like, do anything at all. He just seen it, and then uh, Sheeta went for the pin and got, like, a two-count or whatever, but then afterwards, uh, uh, <laughs> freaking, uh, what's her, uh, Rebel, there you go. I was going to call her Reba, but I knew yep. that's her name. Rebel tried to interfere. Yeah, Rebel, not Reba. Yeah, Rebel, Rebel, Rebel tried to uh, stop the pin, and then the ref threw her out for that. But I'm like, why not just throw her out when she hit Britt with the crutch? Why wait until, like, that's a lesser thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so she ended up uh, hitting her with the, what do you call it, the locked on, got the win. But this match was really off to me the whole time. Um, yeah, and it, it's unfortunate. Um, you've noticed a lot with AEW, the inconsistency with the rules when it comes to refereeing. And as we, you know, at, when we had our guest Clark on, uh, it, it's unfortunate because they don't have a whole lot of control in that in that moment. You can do a shoot DQ there, but then that completely derails the rest of the show and uh, the match and the plans for that moving forward so you're not going to do that and then unfortunately it just makes the ref look like an idiot and so there's just there's not a whole lot of it's not a win-win scenario but we see that all the time with the lack of count outs with uh tag team matches uh with or any matches and just people being on the outside for what seems like ever and uh just puts the refs in a bad spot this was another one of those instances Mm -hmm. um so I apologize. My cat has decided she wants to take a nap on my notes. <laughs> um, so. so, but yeah, so Brad Baker won the AEW Women's Championship, which was I felt like deserved. It was like a long time coming, right? She had kind of been carrying that women's division for a while, and man, you know, she done held the belt for like what over a year, and it just never, yeah. it just never felt like she had it for that long for some reason. I, I think a lot of it had to do with there not being a crowd. Um, it just, I think a lot of people just, we, we'd watch the shows, but it was just kind of, it it just, it wasn't the same. It's very easy to kind of just dismiss the last year as a wrestling fan. Britt Baker for over a year, you see, she gets hurt. Something happens. There's always something happens that gets in the way, but the crowd is just when she does the DMD and the crowd gets into it, it's just, they're. There's something here with Britt Baker that AEW has. She's going to be a mega star. Um, and maybe on that Becky Lynch level. I, I don't think she's too far away from that, but I think you gotta find her a he I think you gotta find her an opponent um that can help bring her to that next level. And right now on the AEW women's roster, I don't see who that opponent is. Yeah, hopefully they find it. Hopefully her reign is Good, and she has some good matches because I think she's earned it at this point. And moving on, we've got uh, Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, they defeat Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky in a match that had some really good storytelling, and I thought they booked it perfectly. 
um, to where it made sense, but it was still really good. Uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky doing everything in their power to make sure that Darby can't tag in Sting. Um, Darby's out there for mm -hmm. probably 90% of the match. Um, and he's just getting the crap yeah. kicked out of him, doing what Darby does, you know, being a good babyface, selling, 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 selling like he just got the life taken from him. Um, and he does this really well. And, and there's a spot where he finally tags in Sting, and Sting comes out, but the ref didn't see the tag, so then he's got to push Sting back. And then Darby's just getting the crap kicked out of him again. And the fans were like, oh, how could you not see that? And it was just, it was simple. It was very sim simplistic tag team storytelling, but it worked here. It keeps Sting safe. It keeps him fresh. You know, he, he's in his early 60s, I believe, at this point. And uh, it's his return to a wrestling ring. Uh, we had, we had uh, he and Darby against uh, Starks and Brian Cage before, uh, but that wasn't one of those uh, pre-recorded uh, street fight matches. Um, and I thought Sting looked great here. Um, there are going to be people who are like, oh, well, you know, he probably could have done more. Like, you got to remember his age, and, like, he looks great. And he can still go. Is he going to do a 30-minute match by himself? Probably not. But for what you needed from him here, I thought he did better than what I was expecting. And Darby, I think, was the story of the match as far as... It was the highlight of the match as far as the selling, the being in there for as long as he was. This was not a quick match. Yeah, I feel like they did it perfectly because I feel like we kind of expected this. Obviously, Sting's not going to be in there the whole match. Um I think we've seen stuff like this done before, you know, like when Undertaker teamed like Roman Reigns and stuff here and there. Uh, you got to you got to protect the guys. They're only gonna have so much gas, you know what I mean? And you don't want people getting hurt. So I think they did it perfectly, and they did it in a great way that you know told a story and wasn't just oh we're just gonna cut off the ring. Yep. And, that's it. and after that, we've got my favorite match of the night. Um, Kenny Omega retains his title against Pack and Orange Cassidy. Uh, it felt like me and maybe a handful of fans against the world on Kenny Omega's side, and everybody else was rooting for Orange Cassidy. Um, but it was it was a fantastic match. Everybody looked good here. I loved the part of the match where Kenny used every championship that he had um, to hit. I believe it was Pac. Yeah. Yeah, to hit. He'd hit Pac in the face over and over again, and Cal Don Callis would give him another championship, and then another one. And, you know, really feeding into that belt collector vibe. The crowd was so behind Orange Cassidy in this one. Um, I can understand why some people might think Orange Cassidy should have gone over. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought that would have been a cool moment. But I think he's one of those characters you got to keep him just that close. Just close, but isn't there. So eventually when you do have him go over, the crowd's going to explode and it's going to be this big moment that everybody's behind and you're going to have this uber baby face. Um, the match was spectacular. Pac was amazing. Uh, Kenny was everything you'd expect. He's the best bout machine. He, he's, he doesn't shy away from the big moment. Orange Cassidy was on that level in this match. Um, I mean, to go from the indies a, year, a little over a year ago to... You know, being in a world title match with Kenny Omega and Pac, I mean, just for Orange Cassidy to be at that level now, it's kudos to him. Is I, I've got all the respect in the world for Orange Cassidy. Uh, he's he's already a star. I think he's going to be one of those big names along with uh, Jungle Boy, MJF in the next five years. 
that's going to be headlining every pay-per-view and not just one or two a year. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it's not it wasn't his time yet. But man, I feel like he's going to have like a Daniel Bryant year one time like a certain year and then he's just going to blow up. But uh, this match was crazy and the fact that they were able to tell a good story which you don't see a lot like with triple threat matches, multi-man matches. Um I loved it like I especially love when uh Kenny Omega couldn't break up the pin, so he went ahead and knocked out the referee and the referee yep. had to come well, Aubrey had to come in and count the pin, but uh the only thing I didn't like about this match was the finish. Yeah. It's because, you know, Omega did a crucifix for the win, which I was like, dang, it was kind of anticlimactic. I can see why they did it, because it kind of makes you hate Kenny Omega a little bit more for doing it. But, uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was fine. Yeah, and I there was a moment here where uh, Pac went to cover Kenny for the pin, and Orange Cassidy comes out of nowhere to throw Pac out of the ring and go for the pin. And you was a really good false finish where you thought – Oh my god, Orange Cassidy is going to go over. Um, ended up being a two count, obviously. Uh, but if you haven't seen this match, go back and watch it. These were these three guys working together. It The match flowed really well. The chemistry was there. Uh, this was my match of the night by far. Yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, and then we've got a, we, had a, we had Tony Schiavone come out for a surprise announcement. Um, he announces, you know, Rampage, uh, their their new show that's going to be on Friday night. Uh, but he also uh, announced that there was going to be a new commentator that they had just signed for Rampage. And out comes the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. And uh, I, I loved this. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I listened to Busted Open after this. And uh, I guess he had breakfast with Dave LaGreca for two hours and didn't tell him a damn thing and just mark henry i love him i still think he has the best the in my opinion he's got the best heel turn uh ever uh when he slammed john cena after his retirement speech quote unquote um so i'm thrilled for mark henry uh he obviously knows the business inside and out inside and out he's a hall of famer He's a great guy. I think he's going to add so much to that commentary team. I like that they've got enough commentators now that they can kind of do like this rotating thing. Like you're not seeing just the same commentators on every show. Um, And I'm excited to see where they go with this. I'm excited to see Mark Henry. Um, I know one of the aspects after listening to him on uh, Busted Open, if you get a chance, uh, you didn't catch it live, go listen to the Busted Open podcast. And... um, Mark Henry had talked about in WWE, he wanted a front office role. He wanted to kind of contribute more behind the scenes, and that opportunity just wasn't there for him. So his contract expired, moved over to AEW, and he's going to have that front office capacity. So he's not just being signed to be a commentator. He's going to have a backstage presence, which I think is really cool and something that I really enjoy that AEW uh, has their legends do, like a Jerry Lynn, like a Dean Malenko. Um, It's so... Very happy for Mark Henry here. I thought this was a great announcement. Yeah, I can't wait till Rampage starts and we get to hear him on commentary because he does so good on Busted Open. I always love to listen to that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm wondering if this means that Big Show's going to kind of hit up uh, AEW Dynamite more once Rampage starts going, you know what I mean? So they have them two on separate shows. But, uh, man, I think WWE really missed the mark not keeping Mark Henry around because this dude has an eye for talent. Uh, we've seen he's the one that kind of... Yep. Uh, introduced Braun Strowman to wrestling, got him introduced, and then we've seen that he helped Jade Cargill uh, get into wrestling, so I feel like he's going to have an easy time 
fighting uh, talent for AEW and even behind the scenes, the guy's going to be great, especially for the bigger guys in the company. And he's also a guy where community work is a priority for him. And he had said that he wasn't going to sign if AEW couldn't commit to having more of an impact in communities. Um, so just how do you not root for Mark Henry? I mean, uh, it, it was it was a really cool signing. It was cool to see him there. It was cool to see him surprised. I feel like Mark Henry is one of those guys where just when you start to forget that he's a part of wrestling, he does something. Yeah. And it's always really cool. Nobody knows about it. It's always a surprise. And a uh, big moment there. So and this, this brings us to our main event, which, um, in my opinion, didn't deliver like I was hoping it would. I really thought that the world title should have been the main event. Uh, we've got the stadium stampede with Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle. Uh, it's a pre-recorded match. Um, it, it had some cool moments, but uh, just it didn't feel like it should have been the main event to me. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they kind of felt like the first one did so good that they could, you know, put this one in the main event. And they would do the same, but it was just different, different circumstances, you know. Um, I was disappointed with this match. I was expecting a lot more that we just didn't get. Um, obviously, there was still some cool spots, you know, like Urban Meyer and Charlie Strong popping up. Yep. Helping Jericho out. Uh, there was some good stuff, but overall, it didn't really give what it was supposed to give. Yeah, uh, and the intrigue for me on this was you didn't know who was going to win. Uh, the pinnacle had been going over every time that they had been interacting with Inner Circle. And then there was the stipulation where if Inner Circle lost, they disband. And that made me think that Inner Circle was going to lose uh, because I felt like there's so much that you could do for each of them. But they end up pulling out the win here. Uh, so Inner Circle is going to keep going on, and I'm interested to see what they've got planned for them moving forward. Um, but I thought this would have been just fine uh, to put right before the main event to kind of be that cool-off between Sting and Darby. And uh, and then Kenny's world title. Um, I, I feel like that was a booking mistake here. Uh, it it was a fine match. I just I don't think it was main event worthy. Yeah, and then I feel like they wanted to get Guevara kind of a little bit of a get him over a little bit more because you know he's the one that got the pin. Um, yep. I hope going forward they make him a bigger part of the inner circle because he has that he has the potential. I love to see them do more with him in regards to the inner circle, not just the lackey, You know. Yeah, and uh, so to go, let's stay with AEW here. Um, Hikaru Shida, she's got a new look. We just uh, saw that recently. Um, she's kind of going for like this badass type vibe now. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to see what she does with it because you know we kind of did see the uh, her character kind of go for full circle and. You know, satisfactory into that, lost to Britt Baker, and now she's taking on a more serious vibe. You know, she was very play to the crowd, you know, wanted everybody to like her. And now it's F that. It's I'm here to win. I'm here to beat yeah. people up. And I I like the new look. If you haven't seen it, go on Twitter, go on Google, whatever, look up Hikaru Shida, her new look. Uh I think she looks fantastic. And I'm really interested to see what the more serious Hikaru Shida uh, can do an AEW. And what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, same. I loved it. Um, I kind of hope this leads to her getting like a like a feud on her own, not going back into the Rip Baker thing. Like, yeah. help build her up so she gets like that revenge. But I hope it just mm -hmm. uh, helps them get more women on the show. Yeah, I love it. I would like to see them 
go with like uh kind of like a um oh wow uh a, like a john wick type thing for yeah. Sheeta. i really would like have her have like th- this hit list and just like start running through the women's mm-hmm. division just smoking everybody and have that build back to Britt baker but have it be like a six-month build you know have her just start going through people just mowing down the women's division Mowing down the knockouts division. I don't care. You got that relationship with Impact. Have her go on Impact and beat up some people there. You've got your relationship with the NWA. Have her go through and start. Have her go after Serena Deeb. I mean, just let let's uh, let's build something there. I would love like a John Wick style character for Hikaru Shida, and I think that they've got an opportunity to do something like that here. Um, and then uh, Leo Rush. He appeared at uh, AEW. AEW Double or Nothing, and then yesterday he announced that he is retiring from professional wrestling. Uh, really caught a lot of people off guard. Um, some people were really upset about it. I mean, it's the guy's life. Let him let him do what he wants. That's my opinion. Um, I think that's a really cool moment to go out on. He thanked AEW for the opportunity and giving him a moment that he won't forget. Um, so good for Leo Rush. Ending things on his turn, uh, his terms. I mean. Sure, there's a lot we would have loved to have seen Leo Rush do in AEW, um, but if he's happy, that's really all that matters. And I think that fans really need to be able to take that step back and understand that these people have their own lives. And if wrestling isn't what they want to invest everything into, then so be it. That's their decision. Yeah, definitely. It's, man, it sucks because Leo Rush had like all the potential in the world and just he kept having yeah. setbacks. Yeah. setbacks. Um, but yeah, like you said, he... He got injured, and he felt, you know, I don't want to keep getting injured and risk spending time on family because that's a big deal. We see a lot of wrestlers in old age, like, really their body starts to deteriorate, their mind starts to deteriorate. Let these young guys retire. We see it happening a lot, like, in football, you know what I mean? Guys retiring at 29, 30. Uh, So it's nothing new, but uh, I think he said he's going to finish off his dates in New Japan after he heals up, and then that'll be it. Yep. So, good for Leo Rush. Uh, you know, fun career. I liked his stuff with Bobby Lashley. Um, he was enter- always entertaining with whatever he did in NXT, one of those high flyers. Sure, he had some controversial moments. But, um, you know, he-, he was always fun to watch and always put on a good match when he was out there. And going into the big AEW news, and uh, I-, I bet you were wondering if I forgot since I was kind of playing around with the other stuff, but uh, we, AEW had a new signing this last week. Uh, so, Vicky Guerrero comes out and introduces somebody. It was hard to understand her at the time. Um, the announcers didn't seem to catch it. The crowd didn't seem to catch it. So, it was quiet when this man makes his appearance. But, Andrade is a, is all elite now. And, uh, I thought this was super cool. He comes out in a suit. Like, really expensive suit, glass, sunglasses. Crowd went bonkers once they realized who it was. And uh, I, just so cool. He presented, they presented him like he was a big deal, which they, anybody who signed him needed to do that. Uh, Andrade is one of the, in my opinion, top 10 best wrestlers in the world, bar none. They're presenting him that way. I want, I want to see that consistently. Um, now you're starting to get a pretty top-heavy roster here where you've got a lot of main event players, and you've got to be careful to not, you know, have any of them fall out looking looking weak. Andrade is not one of those people I want to see take that casualty. 
You look at Lance Archer. I don't want him to become another Lance Archer, where he's presented as a big deal and then consistently loses on pay-per-views. This man, this man, in my opinion, is one of the futures of wrestling, and he needs to be booked as such. There's so much that you can do with Andrade. There's so many dream matches in AEW I want to see him have. Let's book it smart. Let's build it. There's a few more signings I'd like to see them get. We'll get into that later. But uh, big signing to get Andrade on, on their roster, and I'm super excited about it. I absolutely loved it. I wasn't expecting it when it happened, but then I thought about that. Oh, what makes sense? Especially if he ends up beating uh, Kenny Omega for that AAA championship. It makes sense for them to mm-hmm. have the guy in their company, so it gives them a boost. Yeah, is going to be huge for AEW, especially in the, the Hispanic yep. market, because, man, he's huge in Mexico. He's going to bring a lot to the table. Like, with the Vicky Guerrero thing, I didn't like that they, like, brought her in to introduce him. But I guess I get it. His English isn't, like, 100% there, yeah. but he's working on it. He sounds a lot better than he did when he was in, even in NXT. Um, you know, him and Charlotte right. likes to do this uh, Scarface kind of thing, like, on Instagram. They, like, do a lot of pictures. So I hope he yeah. has that kind of vibe when he comes in, you know, like, doesn't give any Fs. He just comes in and does what he wants. Like he said, he said he's, his plan is to be the face of ABW, and I think it it might happen sooner than later, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm I'm all for it. It's Kenny's my guy. I like I said, I'm Bullet Club ride or die. Uh, but I, I got excited seeing Andrade come out and seeing like the the Kenny versus Andrade immediate feud. Just like, oh, I can't wait to see that. Um, so yeah, that that's that's it for the AEW news. Uh, I have a few things in AEW that weren't kind of like out okay. there. But they happen. Okay. Uh, so uh-huh. Awesome Kong and Shanna, their contract expired with AEW. That's right. And yeah, they weren't brought back. Uh, dang, Awesome Kong was one that I wish they had kept around, even if it was just for something backstage, because she had so much uh, that she could offer to the women. But um, yeah, it sucks. You know, she went to go film Glow, and then they canceled it, which sucks because I feel like maybe that was one of their bigger things in keeping her around was that she was gonna be on Glow, so they could yep. use her for like. Promotion and stuff, but that just sucks. And Shanna, we didn't really get to see a lot of her. You know, she was like on usually on dark and uh, elevation, and uh, yeah, it sucks. But they weren't released. They just their contract ran out, and that is what it is. I can't wait to see what they do, and if if they decide to keep wrestling, uh, I can't see what can't wait to see what they do next. And some rumors came out about Shanna having some backstage heat. Um, oh. and she wasn't she wasn't exactly treating uh the women other people in the women's roster, like the ones that they bring in for dark or elevation. She wasn't treating people the best. Um, we obviously were not there. We don't know. Um, I enjoyed Shanna as a wrestler. I, I think she's definitely got talent. Um, I hope those things aren't true and that she finds herself on her feet and uh, does well with whatever company signs her. Yeah. And then uh, we forgot to mention, they unveiled the new women's championship. It was like a bigger version of yeah. the original ones. And it looks a lot better now. Um, yep. It was just too, too it, mm-hmm. And I understood what they were going with for the first time. They wanted that classic look. The the old vintage titles, they were all a lot smaller. Um, so I got what they were going for, but the newer, uh, bigger version definitely looks a lot better. Um, especially mm-hmm. around Britt Baker's waist. And uh, I think she's going to be... She's going to be the person that that championship needs. Uh, she's definitely the person that that women's division needs, and hopefully they'll be signing uh, signing some people soon to bring in. And on that note, uh, let's go to WWE. 
there were some releases recently. And I'm sure you've all heard about it by now. We're going to go into it a little, little bit. Uh, we won't spend too much time on it. Uh, but WWE had come to terms with the release of Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Murphy, Ruby Riot, Lana, and Santana Garrett. Um, and just, there's some surprising names there. I thought Murphy, uh, for example, did everything that you could have asked him to do in the last year. Made crap storylines tolerable. Um, you can see the how he's improved as a wrestler. Um, it, it, his promos still probably aren't great or top level, but this is a solid mid card guy that can help out a lot of companies right now. Uh, Lana has has improved. You see, she's putting in the work ethic. I my guess is she just you know she's away from her husband. She's probably not happy. Uh, I don't want to say she's not happy, but you know it's I I, I could see that one coming. Uh, Santana Garrett, I thought tons of NXT, t- tons of talent in NXT. Anytime I watched her wrestle, um, I-, I thought with a bit of development, she could have been a star. Um, Ruby Riot, how you can't find something for Ruby Riot, and she was one that you saw once she was released. Just the outpouring of support from the wrestling community, not just the women's locker room, but men as well. Like you can tell, she is well loved in this community, and how she treats people. Um, so, I mean, even The Rock went out of his way to, uh, to, like, say, don't worry, you're gonna land on your feet, you know, you're a great person. Um, yeah, your, your thoughts on, on the releases? You know, Ruby sucks, because I could have seen her as a champion easily. She had, man, she's so good in the ring. She had the character there, too. I don't know what it was. Maybe she's just too different for them. I don't know. Uh, Lana, like you said, that one was understandable. We could have seen that one coming. She's yep. done a lot of improvement, though. I can't wait to see what she does next because I feel like whether she goes to AEW and just you know helps her out, or she goes somewhere and actually just wants to be an in-ring wrestler, it's going to be pretty interesting. Or if she goes off and just does her own thing. I mean, but I, I from from what I've heard, she has been putting in the work during this pandemic behind the scenes to improve as a wrestler. Um, so to work that hard and then get released, uh, it just kind of sucks. Um, Alistair Black, I mean, I've gone off multiple times on this podcast about how frustrated I am with how they've used him. Uh, I think he's, I think he can be a top guy in any company. He's, he, he's so good. And, um, I, I don't want to say I'm happy to see him released. Um, but I'm more, I'm more excited to see what he can do um, with some saying creative for his character and being able to, you know, have his own input, you know, being able to have a say in, in what he does, whether it's in AEW, I personally, yes, I'd love to see him in AEW. First, I'd like to see him in New Japan. I think his style is perfect for New Japan. I think you can immediately put him in that main event picture. Uh, he'll probably be coming back as Tommy End. Um, so yeah, that that was a big one as well. Thoughts on Aleister Black? Yeah, it sucks. WWE loves to miss the mark on people, especially Aleister Black. They've done it time and time again where they kind of try to build him up, but then I don't know. They just end up pulling the plug right right from under him. Uh, man, I feel like he could have been this generation's Undertaker because the dude knows his character. He said he literally has a book where he keeps notes and he writes everything down. He has everything set. 
So I don't know what it what it was, Vince. I don't know whether Vince doesn't just doesn't like him, but uh, it sucks. And he had so much good to say about the company too. After being released, he doesn't sound bitter or anything. Um, I feel like all these releases have a bunch of uh, they have a ton of options of where to go. I feel like the only one that's going to have trouble is Braun. Surprisingly, uh, I don't. I can't see him going to AEW. New Japan seems doesn't seem right. I think NWA maybe. I think that's the one place he can go and kind of, you know, make something happen there. But other than that, I don't know. It's going to be hard for him to, or for me to see him anywhere but WWE. Yeah, and he, he said on a couple occasions he will only work for WWE. So we'll see if his mind has changed on that. Um, personally, I think that there is something there for him in Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe AEW. I know a lot of people would like to see him. You've seen Braun get a lot better. Um, he was he was somebody who he didn't have any NXT televised matches. He just went straight to the main roster with the Wyatt, Wyatt family uh, without a lot of experience before. And I thought he's done a good job improving. Um, he's he's a main event level talent. He's he's a big name that WWE built and created. Um, he was able to he was the one uh, in WWE that was able to step out of the shadow of Bray Wyatt in that Wyatt family and make a name for himself. Yes. So we'll see where he goes. We'll see if he goes anywhere, um, if he even has the desire to continue wrestling. Yeah, and then with the releases, uh, they also released two announcers. So then they released Adnan yeah. Burke and then Tom Phillips. The Phillips one sucks because yeah. he's so freaking good. Um, especially him and Byron, perfect together. I don't know what their deal is. They, they try to bring in these sports-centric type guys, and it's just not – that's just not what WWE is. I know they want to make it more – mainstream or whatever but it's just not i feel like they're gonna keep doing this and they're gonna have trouble because it's just not gonna happen the only thing that i can think of is vince wants people who don't know professional wrestling he wants somebody that he's gonna be able to bring up as a sports entertainer a commentator um when you bring when you have somebody like a tom phillips who knows so much about wrestling who has such a love and passion for wrestling and again he was another one when he was released the outpouring of support from people that have worked with him uh just it sucks that company i mean i'm i'm not watching raw anymore i'll check Mm -hmm. out the highlights after um smackdown i'll watch here there nxt i try to catch when i can but it's just i don't I don't get excited to watch WWE right now. It, it's there's so much dark and gloom around it. It's so it's so corporate at this point. It's just I'm glad there's an AEW. I'm glad there's an alternative. I'm glad there's an Impact. Um, I'm glad there's an NWA. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, so I like to kind of touch on the re- not the releases, but why they're doing this. Uh, you know, they've hit like. What, there's been like three or four batches of releases now since WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I know people are saying they're like not financially stable right now. Um, but I don't see that being the case because they've gotten like a couple of billion dollar deals, right? In the past uh, few months. Honestly, I don't know if you're not like a, a big UFC fan, but UFC did this back in like 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, they started releasing a bunch of people, whether it be uh, fighters, they started releasing. Um, people in the backs like you know people that work behind the scenes and they even got like a reebok deal worth like millions of dollars and it was all for them to set up them selling the company which they ended up doing the next year so i could see wwe selling the company um and and, and, 
yeah, like UFC kept Dana White around. I could see them selling the company and be like, okay, well, let Vince or let's uh, Triple H or Stephanie be CEO, you know, for a few years and then keep control of that and then phase them out. But I could see them selling the company soon. And, and that is the rumor that um, WWE may be looking to sell. Uh, I believe it was a year ago um, around this time. You saw Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, Vince McMahon selling a lot of their stock in WWE. Um, so I don't think that this would be something that Vince just woke up one day and decided he wants to sell. I think this is, if that's the direction they go, this will be something that has been planned for a while. Um, personally, I I want to see Triple H, I want to see Paul Levesque in control of this company. Um, I don't know how realistic that is if they sell it. I don't know what the contingency plans are going to be if they do. Um, if there is a... You know, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon have to be on your board of directors or whatever for however many years. A uh, company needs to be in their hands uh, before you can appoint somebody of your own. Um, not sure, but I do know that it needs it it needs Vince to go away. And uh, also, it was reported that last year was WWE's most financially successful year in the history of their company. So this budget cut thing. Oh. It, it doesn't cut it with me, but I mean, if they're looking to sell, they're getting they're getting rid of a lot of those top contracts that of people that uh, you know might be harder to sell to people to potential buyers. So, and then in the world of New Japan, we've got a new IWGP Heavyweight Champion, uh, Shingo Takagi. He beat Kazuchika Okada at Dominion. For the IWGP vacant heavyweight title, uh, vacated because Will Ospreay had to go away due to injury. Um, I think the easy answer here, and what I thought was that Okada would be getting the belt back. He's your uh, yeah. he he he's your safety net. He's he's been the top guy for their company for years now. Um, it's the safe decision, and they they really decided to roll the dice here by putting the belt on uh, Takagi. Um, We'll kind of see where that goes. That's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, I, I like that they're showing some risk here. I thought Will Ospreay was a little bit of a risk, but um, Will Ospreay showed he was ready for the opportunity. Um, so we'll see what they do with Takagi. Yeah, I feel like they've been taking chances, right? Because, you know, Kota Ibushi won the championship mm -hmm. and then lost it immediately to Will Ospreay. So I feel like they said, oh, yep. Okada, you've had your chance. Let's. See what happens, you know? They've done it before, and it's led to big things, so. Yeah, I, I would I, I would have been willing to bet that Okada was going to win at Dominion. Uh, I think everybody did. Uh, interesting direction that they went. Good for Takagi, though. Uh, he's been there for a while. Um, certainly earned the opportunity, and I hope he's able to make the most of it. Yeah. Uh, New Japan definitely seems willing to uh, give talent an opportunity to kind of... For New Japan, they're always building that next group. It's They're always bringing them up. Um, you can never say that New Japan just keeps the same names around at the top uh, and then limits the people below them. Every, they give people the opportunities that are earned. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things I enjoy the most about New Japan is every Wrestle Kingdom. Sure, Okada, uh, Tanahashi, they're going to be in those main event yeah. slots. But every you see a different name up there in those in those last two matches. Yeah, we've seen it with like Jay White and other people like that. Yep. 
they're not afraid to do it. So, yeah. We are now moving on to the world of the NWA. And uh, Billy Corgan, in an interview, I believe it was on Busted Open, uh, had an interesting quote, um, an interesting statement. And he was talking about how uh, you may not be able to take down WWE, but you can bring it to a knee. And what he was talking about was the NWA, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, AEW, all getting together and having a pay-per-view together. Uh, Because something like that would stop the wrestling world on a dime. Everybody's tuning in to watch that. Um, And if you can band together, you can compete with the WWE. AEW's doing, doing okay, but again, they're not... WWE's a decades-old company. They are a superpower. AEW is less than two years old, maybe two years old, and uh, so they need time. But I, I was very intrigued by what Billy Corgan says. This is obviously something that he's thought about. And NWA, they've just had some bad breaks, but it's a good product that he's got there. He knows wrestling. And... Uh, I you you see the forbidden doors they keep saying is off its hinges now uh, with AEW's relationship with Impact and WA, um, New Japan. So if I we may not be that far from Billy Corgan's vision, it may only be a year or two, but I would be very interested to see a multi-branded pay-per-view of multiple promotions of these top promotions and. Just seeing seeing what that card would look like. Just it's very intriguing. It's fun to fantasy book that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we've seen people try to do it, but not go all the way all the way in. You know, we usually just see like little working agreements here and there. But if they all can come together and make something happen like that, and I mean, if you think all in was crazy, like this show is going to be like mm-hmm. insane. So I hope it happens. You know, uh, NWA has been doing great stuff. We know Billy Corgan has like a good mind. Him and Tony Khan working together. Uh, I mean, if they get this done, it's going to be insane. Yeah, and before they wouldn't have had a somebody who would be able to support this financially like the Khans. Uh, Tony Khan, uh, his father Shad Khan, they are way more wealthy than the McMahons. Um, <laughs> which a lot of people don't realize that probably should. Uh, money isn't yeah. isn't isn't an issue for these for these people. Um, so I, I, whereas this definitely seemed like far-reaching fantasy booking even three years ago, now it's you know now there's now there's some whispers there. Yeah. And next next slate of news, uh, Kylie Ray is back. Smiley Kylie Ray signed with NWA. Um, I'm very happy to see that. Over the weekend, I was actually in Chicago with some friends. Uh, and we were at Warrior Wrestling, and that was Kylie Ray's first appearance back um, from stepping away. Uh, we got to meet her, and she could not have been a nicer person. She had a crazy match, loudest pop of the night. Um, it, she's one of those people who just, you want to root for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a heck of a wrestler. She wrestled uh, Holly Dead and uh, in a really good match. Uh, Holly, Holly dead. She, uh, she kept throwing, uh, you know, heel comments to Kylie, like, yeah, you keep going away. I've been here and stuff like that. And Kylie was defending her women's championship for warrior, uh, for the first time in over a year. 
and it, it was a wonderful match. My girlfriend, uh, Katie, her favorite wrestler is Kylie Ray. Um, so when we got to meet her, uh, we, we started talking to Kylie about how I got her, Katie into wrestling and how I was showing her Kylie stuff. And Kylie and Katie, they both started crying. And, uh, and then after the match, I've got a picture of, uh, again, the place went nuts when Kylie won. And she came around, she was giving high fives. And then her and Katie, they hugged and were crying together as Kylie's holding her championship. And I've got a picture of it that, uh, that one of my friends took. And it's just this beautiful moment, and it's it's why I support indie wrestling so much. You just you can see so many cool things there that you're not you're not going to see that at an AEW show. You're not going to see that at a WWE show. Um, it was phenomenal. Kylie Ray is the sweetest person in the wrestling world, and she needs to be protected at all costs, in my opinion. Uh, Clark feldman i told him about the night our previous guest and he he loves kylie ray he said everyone in the wrestling world loves kylie ray she's just a wonderful fantastic person so couldn't be happier for her that she signed with nwa people mental health is serious like when she returns you get all these comments like oh i wonder how long before she goes away again fuck you yeah she's it you know if she needs to take time for her mental health she needs to take time. If anybody needs to take time, we are in this era where you're considered weak if you need to take care of yourself. Self-care is important. And I believe Billy Corgan and NWA, they're a company who look after their own. So I think this is the perfect signing place for Kylie Ray. Kylie, we wish you the best in your career. I, we wish you nothing but success. And um, I, I, I got to hug her, and she... Uh, I. I I just told her that I was so happy to have her back in wrestling, and she just said one day at a time. Yes. So, so good for her. I I'm thrilled that Kylie Ray's back, and uh, screw the people who have you know anything negative to say because they clearly just don't know this person. Yeah, man, I'm I'm so happy she's back. You know, I hear her leaving. I'm like, damn, because it's it's so relatable. Someone that deals with mental health, yep. it's so freaking relatable, and people just. It's hard for people to understand that people go through different stuff, you know what I mean? So I'm glad she's back, and I'm glad she's in a better space. And uh, I hope she does some good work with NWA because their women's division is pretty good at this at this time. So I can't wait to see what she brings to the table. And in that, uh, speaking of the NWA women's division, Mickey James uh, popped up in NWA yesterday and announced that she would be the executive producer for an all-women's wrestling pay-per-view held by the NWA. Um, And immediately, first off, good for Mickey James. That was, you know, the obvious landing spot for her that we talked about when she was released, uh, going to work with her husband, Nick, in uh, NWA. And uh, an all-women's pay-per-view. This was something that she had talked about on Twitter multiple times. She wanted an Evolution 2. She wanted... She wanted more representation for the women. She wanted a weekly show. Um, so again, people, if you're sleeping on NWA, give it a watch. It's they've got something with this product. It's unfortunately they just keep running into uh, roadblock after roadblock. But I think they're starting to get some traction again. The roster's filling out again. And uh, I'm excited to see who's on the card for this all women's pay per view. There's a lot of indie talent up out there we saw lady frost make an appearance who is a fantastic wrestler in her own right um 
So it, it'll be interesting. And I like that Mickey James is going to be the executive producer of the pay-per-view. I feel like this is like a new movement, right, that we're seeing right now. Because, you know, uh, Maria Canellas is heading up ROH's women di- women's division. Yep. Doing a weekly show. So I think people need to get with it because this is going to become more and more of a bigger thing. And uh, I can't wait to see what Camille does because, you know, she just won the NWA. Yes. Serena Deep. So it's going to be cool to see who they uh, have her go up against. And uh, I know Mickey James knows wrestling, so she's going to bring in some some good talent, I think. And it's going to be a good show. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to to a lot of these companies and the future shows that we're going to have. There's a lot of speculation out there. There's a lot of mystery in the wrestling world right now. Yeah. With all these releases, who's who who's going to be getting signed where? Uh with these companies like starting to do stuff like this all women's pay-per-view for NWA, who else is going to be taking that mantle? Um is are the women's divisions and companies like AEW going to start to become a focus where they can start bringing in this talent, developing this talent and then showcasing it. Um we we saw, you know, Sheeta versus Britt Baker, uh Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. Uh, did huge numbers yep. as the main event. So it, it's it, women's wrestling isn't going away. For for all of you out there who think women's wrestling is just this stupid thing, you're upset because it's not brawn panties matches anymore, playboy pillow fights, wrestling world's moving on without you. And it's in a better place. These women are talented, and these women can go. And at Warrior Wrestling on this indie show, there was over 1,000 people there, and the biggest pop of the night was Kylie Ray uh, versus Holly Dead. It, it wasn't their world championship. It wasn't their main event. It was the women's match. Yeah, you see, like, uh, most of the popular, uh, and, like, the biggest companies, most of the popular mm-hmm. people are women, you know. Sasha, Bailey, they're huge. You got Britt Baker, who's huge. You see, like, Ty Conchie, the reaction she gets when she comes out, especially with Negative yep. One. Like, there's uh, women that are doing... Good things. I mean, people got, people got to get with it because it's going to take off soon. I think by this time next year, um, I I think an all women's pay per view will not be uncommon. I, I think we'll start seeing that more. Um, I think at least one of these companies. I know Ring of Honor started it with Women of Honor on Wednesdays. Uh, I think more of these companies they're going to have all women shows. Um, mm-hmm. So I I think that's something to look forward to. There's there's so much talent right that right out right now on the uh, on the indie scene. Um, it's there's so many people who aren't signed that are just so good and just need an opportunity. Um, so it's not like the talent mm-hmm. isn't there. We we've got a lot mm-hmm. to look forward to as wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, oh, one thing before we wrap it up, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about WWE has been testing a new ring. I don't know if you heard about this. Mm-mm. Hadn't uh, heard of this. They're testing a. Yeah, they're testing a new ring in NXT UK, but it's made out of like a plastic material as opposed to the wood. Right. So I guess they're testing. They've been testing it out for like the past few months to see how the workers like it and stuff like that. And it could become like the new norm for them. So I just wanted to throw that out there because it was it was like buried in all this news. But yeah, yeah. I heard about. It, I was like, whoa, pretty cool. Well, yeah, and I think uh, I think fans are more accepting of wrestling safety than they would have been in maybe the Attitude Era. Um, I mean, we want to see these guys live healthy lives. It's like the people who got upset over the Jericho bump at Blood and Guts. I mean, it's the guy's 47, 48. You want him falling off of basically the equivalent to uh, a Hell in a Cell and then going through a steel ramp? Like, 
that's stupid. Um, so a, a ring that would help, you know, help uh, the bumps, you know, t- feel a little less, uh, do less damage long term. I'm in full support of it. Yeah, definitely. Like all good things, it has to evolve. You know, we've seen like football is evolving, baseball. Yep. I mean, you just gotta do it. I mean, I, I don't think the rings changed since like the '90s or the 2000s. So, I mean, why not help out the people that are the ones bumping in the ring and risking their lives? You know. And, and these companies, there's ways to portray it. Like the thing that bothers me about the Elimination Chamber now is like, okay, I don't need it to be like it was the first time they had it, where people were almost dying and needed to go to the hospital. But you can make it look like it's this terrifying structure and still have it be safe. Right. Now it's just, it's, it doesn't get anybody excited because it, there isn't even the perceived danger. It's padded all over. Right. It's, you know, it, it's just, which again is fine. But you can have it that way and still make it look. Like, I, I think that's something that WWE has fallen off of and a lot of these companies. And again, I don't think the issue was that Chris Jericho didn't take a bump from the top of a steel cage through a steel ramp. I think it was how it was shot and how it was portrayed. There is a way to do this, and these companies need to take that more seriously. We understand it's a work. We understand it is combat theater, but we would still like to be able to see the perception of this is dangerous, that this this takes a different breed of person to be able to do. So that's what I want to see moving forward. Yeah. Um, and that's it for this show, folks. Uh, we, on June 19th, we've got a special guest, Free Range Kara, wrestler from the Midwest indie scene. Um, go check out our Twitter. We've got, uh, we, we've started posting stuff about her. Um, she's got her own Twitter. Look up her stuff on YouTube. She's got some really entertaining promos. Um, she is a very unique character, uh, that you're not going to want to miss. Um, you're just... The way she does her promos, you can tell she really appreciates puns. Um, you can tell she's really embraced this character that she portrays. I'm very excited for the interview that we're going to have with her on it, uh, it very soon, uh, in 10 days, I yeah. believe. And, um, and we did just book uh, somebody for July 9th. Uh, we'll probably announce that at the next show. Um, a, a really cool, fun name, too. Um, so the podcast is rolling. It's growing. Um, Joel and I, you know, we, we started out with just an idea. Uh, I had posted something and he goes, would you ever want to do a podcast? And I messaged him and I was like, I've been thinking about this for years. And uh, we just ran with it. And, you know, our first episode, you know, there were technical difficulties, all this stuff. We were learning how to edit. And now it's just we're, we're finding our footing. And it's a lot of fun to do. Yeah, definitely. It's always fun to do the podcast. It gives you kind of an escape and it's talk about things you don't really get to talk about, you know. Um, but I can't wait for Free Range Care. I can't wait for the our guests after. Um, also, I was going to say, expect some football stuff because we have to do an yes. episode so we can talk about Julio Jones and the heartbreak. Oh, God, don't do that to me. The heartbreak that Brett's going through right now. We have to talk about it. There's been like a lot of news in the NFL. Uh, we'll be doing that. We'll be trying to make episodes soon. So keep an eye out for that. Yep, next week probably we'll be doing uh, around the NFL news like we do our wrestling one. Um, this is probably going to be the format that we do. Um, it's just so hard doing one every day with our lives. Um, we're not being paid for this. We don't have any sponsors yet. Um, so we do have our 9 to 5s. We've got our normal jobs. Um, we're doing this when we can. 
Uh, so the format for the foreseeable future, at least, will probably be the uh, around wrestling or football news for the last week or two. Um, we'd love some feedback on Twitter. Uh, keep listening to us. Uh, we're we're growing. We got some cool ideas for the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Everyone, stay tuned. We have a lot of good stuff coming, especially as we grow. But uh, that's it for this episode of the Practice Squad Podcast. We will see you next time.